time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, January 15th, 2021. Happy Friday to everybody out there. Another week in the books. And as uh, I was talking to a coworker the other day, they're like, man, the month's halfway over. I was like, we just started this month, this year. What do you mean it's halfway over? Time's flying. I don't want to be that guy that's always like, oh, well, oh yeah, it's another week, another day. But 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 it is. It's, it's going quick. And uh, man, we're halfway through and uh, we'll be on to February, before you know it, um, something I heard that was kind of upsetting the other day was, hey, there's only seven football games left. I went, oh, why you got to put it that way? We had four this weekend, two the following weekend, and then, of course, the one final game on Super Bowl Sunday. So the football season is rapidly uh, ending here. It's pretty wild, and it's crazy that they've got the whole season in, and yet here we are in the uh, mid, mid middle of January, uh, approaching the end of January with uh, wrapping up the NFL playoffs, and we'll be having a Super Bowl champion before you know it. So uh, today on the show, guys, uh, for those of you who followed our social media, you saw who was coming on the program today. Uh, it's Chuck Lyon. I've had the opportunity to umpire college baseball games with Chuck Lyon. Uh, he's a football coach at College of the Canyons, uh, community college in uh, up near Valencia, up near, uh, uh, well, let's see, where would that be exactly? Yeah, the Valencia area. And uh, anyway, been there a long time. Uh, what's unique about Chuck is that he was a college baseball umpire, like I said. He actually worked the College World Series at one point. He works primarily in the Pac-12. Uh, been umpiring a long time. He was also a football coach. And a rather intense football coach, from what I understand. So you guys are going to get a perspective today uh, of a guy that balanced kind of wearing both of those hats. Being a football coach and all the intensity and all the things you got to do in that regard. He had some really good teams at College of the Canyons as well. Uh, very good program. A program that uh, I, I've told you guys this before. Community college football in Southern California. I know many of you probably haven't been out to see many games or anything, and, and usually there's not big crowds or anything, but it really is some of the best football you will see uh, as far as non-Division One football. I mean, there's Division One talent out there. There's Division One uh, talent on the uh, coaching staffs. Um, it, it's it's a very good product, and for officials uh, such as me, that's where you get your start in college football officiating. And, and I didn't tell Chuck this, when uh, we recorded this episode, but I remembered it the other day and I was thinking back, man, man, when was my first college football game? And it was in 2000, let's see here, nine. Yeah, it was 2009, big year for me uh, in, on the football side of things, 2009. And it was, I'll never forget it. It was up at, um, it was up at Antelope Valley College up in Lancaster. And I was thinking, man, who did they put? And then I paused and I went, they played College of the Canyons. That was in early September. It was, I go, and, and Chuck Lyon was not the coach at the time to my knowledge. I may, I may have messed that up, but I was the back judge. I was in the middle of the field away from everything, away from the sidelines, I should say, kind of in the middle of everything. Uh, but I remember, I don't think Chuck was the coach at that time. But I say this because Chuck Lyon was the, or still is, the athletic director now at College of the Canyon. 
he, he coached football for a long time, the head coach, and now he's the uh, athletic director, been there a long time doing that, um, as well as he's also the assigner of junior college uh, baseball umpires for the conference up there. So he's just an all-around athletics guy, which I appreciate. I, I respect because I can talk sports from very many different perspectives uh, with Chuck. And for those of you who kind of grew up with me and my background, those who have participated at Rio Hondo Prep or have coached at that school, uh, I think you guys will get a good understanding that, hey, there's other people kind of who've done the same thing like, like we have uh, and, and Chuck just at a, at a different level, at a higher level. So you're going to get some good insight on all those things. Uh, he's also uh, uh, the Dean of kine- Kinesiology at College of the Canyon. So talking to a guy today with a lot of experience. Uh, you're going to hear some some good stories. Uh, he played at College of the Canyons football and baseball for Mike Gillespie, a uh, legendary baseball coach who just passed away. So he'll talk about that a little bit. Um, just We kind of bounce around, and the interview went rather long because once we started talking sports, I mean, it just one story after another, a lot of fun topics, good topics, and uh, and, and the big thing with Chuck is, is kind of talking about that interaction with coaches and officials because he was an official in baseball. He was a coach in football and, uh, he'll tell you he was a different person when he, when he wore that head, that head football coaching hat versus when he wore the umpiring mask. So, uh, the it's very, it was very interesting. It was very, very interesting. And I hope you guys enjoy this kind of getting it to see how people, what people expect from officials as a coach and then what people as a, as officials expect from coaches and you're getting it from the same guy today. So uh, I can appreciate that. I've coached before I've officiated before uh, nowhere near the level of, of Chuck has in coaching and everything. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode today uh, real quick. It's a long interview, so I don't want to give too many, you know, rants or anything this morning. Uh, we do have a suds with studs segment that we do every Friday, right before our long form interview. It's only about five minutes or so. And, uh, I, I managed to find a medal of honor winner, uh, that's, uh, not, I don't know if he's connected to our guest Chuck Lyon today, but I found, uh, I'll just let you guys wait and see, but I, I found a medal of honor winner that we're going to honor today. Just uh, say his name. And, uh, uh, there wasn't a ton of information, but I, I still like like doing this, like doing the Suds with Studs segment because uh, I've gotten some good feedback. And for those of you who are new to the listening and you're like, what is Suds with Studs? What is that? It's uh, just a brief segment where I talk about somebody, usually law enforcement, military, firefighters, people of that nature who've given of themselves. I've talked about a lot of Medal of Honor winners. And uh, I call it Suds with Studs because these are people that I would love to sit down and have a beer with. And it would be an honor to buy them not just one beer, not just the first round, but every single round. And a lot of people we talk about are those who are no longer with us, either passed away in the line of duty or their heroic actions. Uh, But still, we like to honor some of those people on Fridays. And uh, we're going to do that again today, right before our long form interview with uh, Chuck Lyons. So it's a long show. You got to buckle up, strap in, guys. It's going to be a fun time today. You might have to break this one up uh, a little here and there. 
uh, throughout your weekend. But anyway, uh, you know, breaking news on Thursday was the Jacksonville Jaguars officially hired uh, Urban Meyer. That kind of broke right as I was recording everything. So big news there. I think it's a good fit for, for Urban Meyer. He's going to turn that program around, or I shouldn't say program, that franchise around. Uh, it'll be new adjustments for Urban, who's coached a ton of NFL players while they were in college. And so I think for him to go back to, uh, what would that be considered? North Florida, all of his success he had in Gainesville for the Florida Gators. A little different atmosphere in the NFL. Um, you know, all signs point that they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, the uh, quarterback out of Clemson. So they got the number one overall pick. Um, I, I'm curious how much control they give him. Uh, I really am. How much and how he does. I think it's a good division he's entering where it's kind of a new division winner every year. You got to deal with the Colts and the Titans uh, as well as who am I on the Texans. So who knows what they're going to be. There's a lot of opportunity there, I think for Meyer. And and as far as the Jags, I mean, one in 15, they can only go up from there really. So uh, I'll talk more about this on Monday as we kind of put a lot of sports talk into our Monday episodes now. And I don't want to take too much of your time because we do have a long interview with Chuck today. Uh, But the other thing I wanted to do, Today was give a quick, just a prediction of the four NFL playoff games uh, this weekend. I'm excited about it. Uh, I think this is one of the best weekends uh, of football that we see. Last week was great with the six, six, uh, three games each day, six total playoff games. That was awesome. Uh, We only get four this week, but they are four good ones. And uh, the final eight teams left standing in the NFL We'll uh, we'll slug it out over the weekend. Two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna give a quick rundown here. Ravens at Bills. Uh, this this is gonna be a pretty exciting football game on Saturday night. The Bills are favored by two and a half. I I, I list the points the point spread just because uh, that's what the experts allegedly say. I don't buy into to to those predictions as much. I'm more about all about uh, the all around who's gonna win the game because that's what matters, right? win or loss, not, not, Oh, did they cover whatever the spread is wins and losses are what matter. So I look at this game. I see it as two very similar teams. Buffalo has been a lot more steady over the year. Very more, a lot more consistent Buffalo, uh, their quarterback, Josh Allen's played out of his mind. Uh, the Baltimore quarterback, Lamar Jackson, he can run around and, and do all kinds of stuff. Um, so I don't know. This is a really tough one for me. Um, I am going to say, uh, that the Baltimore Ravens go into Buffalo and uh, take down the Buffalo Bills, uh, really, really upsetting the, uh, the the Bills Mafia, their their fan base. There, I think there could be some snow. I'm not sure uh, what's you know how Lamar Jackson's going to do, but I think he does just enough to beat Buffalo on Saturday night. That's just my prediction. Don't 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 hate me or judge me or anything. This is just what I think is going to happen. Uh, let's see, Cleveland at Kansas City. Um, Casey's favored by 10 here. I was actually tempted after seeing Cleveland play as well as they did on Sunday night to say, you know, maybe Kansas city will be rusty. The chiefs didn't play well. Uh, most of December, they're kind of inconsistent. And then I just had to shake myself. I'm like, what are you doing? They were, they were 14 and one, uh, before, you know, not playing their, their best guys in their last game. They're going to beat the, they're going to beat the Browns. 
the Browns, nice story. Uh, I'll say this. The Browns are going to hang in there. I don't. I do not see a Chiefs blowout here. I think uh, the Browns come out and kind of pick up where they left off last week with the Steelers and will uh, will play good football. But the, the, the how do you how do you go against Patrick Mahomes at least at this point with Cleveland? I I think uh, the Chiefs are, are have a better coach, a better quarterback, and all around better talent. And they're the defending champions who are well rested. I cannot see. Kansas City losing this game. I'm taking the Chiefs on uh, Sunday morning for the uh, first game of Sunday. Uh, the battle of the old men, Tampa Bay Bucks at New Orleans Saints. Uh, this is a tough one to pick. New Orleans has won the first two meetings this season. New Orleans is only favored by three points at home, which is not really a big number. Uh, New Orleans has been the more consistent team this year. Breeze has been out a few different weeks. Tom Brady's been there all year. I am going to say that I like how Tom Brady is starting to play and that offense is starting to play. I think the Saints have been have done a, played pretty well throughout the season, uh, but there's just something about the Saints in the playoffs. There's something about it. The past three seasons, I don't want to hear about all the controversy and this and that. I, I, the Saints in the playoffs, I don't know what it is. They lose games they shouldn't, and I'm not saying they're, uh, you know, the guaranteed lock here, but I do think the Buccaneers go into New Orleans and beat the New Orleans Saints. And Tom Brady advances to another championship game, although this time it would be on the NFC side of things. So that's just my prediction from the the battle of the uh, 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks. It's going to be fun to see, and who knows, it might be the last time they face off against each other. But either way, whoever comes out of that, I'll be rooting for uh, to, uh, well, Maybe not next week. Maybe not the following week. It will depend because there's one more game left that I haven't talked about, and that is my Los Angeles Rams going to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to play the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are favored by six and a half. Uh, That's almost a full touchdown and an extra point. Um, I think that's probably fair. That's probably a fair assessment, and the Packers are the top team in the NFC uh, conference. uh, In in the conference, they had the week off last week. They are well-rested. They're at home. The Rams are banged up. The Rams have the best defense in the NFL, but the Packers have the best offense in the NFL. The Rams' offense has uh, not been anything to write home about, especially uh, at the quarterback position. Um, and this is not just me being super fan here. Uh, I do believe – do I believe they'll win? Probably not, but I'm going to make the prediction that they will. I think the Rams' defense – uh, will slow down Aaron Rodgers just enough. I think that the the front four of the Rams is outstanding. They can get pressure on Rodgers without blitzing. And then, and then in the secondary, they got speed everywhere, uh, a very good secondary. The defense, defense runs this team, hands down. And I think the Rams' offense will do just enough, kind of scrape – scrape uh, up some first downs, manage to get a few points here and there. I think the Rams win a very low scoring game, something like 20, 23, 20, something in there, 20, 22, 17, something kind of weird and low scoring. And every year in the playoffs, there's a game where everyone's like, man, I didn't see that coming. That was crazy. And I know some people are saying, well, that was Cleveland last week against the Steelers. But I think a lot of people, saw the Steelers as kind of a pretender all year, especially the last five weeks of the season. So uh, I'm picking the Rams as the big upset of the weekend. I hope it's cold. I hope there's no excuses. There's no late penalty flag or anything that uh, people are like, oh, the Rams got lucky. I hope 
they are able to play physical football and hang in there with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I'm not confident about it, but that is my hope and that is my prediction for the weekend. Okay, enough, guys. Enough from me. We got a Suds with Studs segment to get to, followed immediately by our very long interview with Chuck Lyon to talk some football, to talk some baseball, and kind of that football, or excuse me, that coach and referee or umpire uh, relationship. So I need to pause, take a a swig of water here, and then we will uh, make a transition right into our Suds with Studs segment, followed right after that by our long interview with Chuck Lyon. Well, on Fridays, something we try to do is a quick segment we call Suds with Studs, where we talk about some heroes, some people that have done some amazing things in either the military or or the uh, law enforcement field, maybe some firefighters. Uh, And today, uh, we're trying something very different. I I wasn't sure who we were going to put on here on this segment this week. And so I thought of our guest, Chuck Lyon. And uh, I kind of looked at Chuck's last name and I said, you know what? I wonder if there's any Medal of Honor winners with the last name Lion, spelled exactly like Chuck's name is. Well, I did in fact find one, and um, there's not a lot of information about this individual because uh, it was from the Civil War, and uh, just, just again, not a ton of information. So if anybody wants to look up some more information, I always encourage you guys to do that, but we're going to take a couple minutes here just talking about somebody from the Civil War who was a Medal of Honor recipient with the same last name as our guest today, Chuck Lyon. Uh, the person we're going to be talking about is Frederick A. Lyon, born June 25th, 1843, died September 23rd, 1911. He was a soldier in the Union Army and a Medal of Honor recipient for his actions in the American Civil War. Uh, there's, like I said, there's not a ton here, so I'll kind of read you everything I got. Uh, but uh, let's see. The Medal of Honor citation for Mr. Lyon, or I should say Sergeant Lyon, uh, his rank and organization. He was a Corporal Company A, 1st Vermont, Vermont Cavalry. Uh, he was at Cedar Creek, Virginia on October 19th, 1864. Uh, with uh, the citation here, it says, with one companion... Uh, Lyon captured the flag of a Confederate regiment, three officers, and an ambulance with its mules and driver. The companion mentioned is in his citation was Private James Sweeney, who also received the Medal of Honor. One of the captured officers was the mortally wounded General Stephen Dodson Ramsauer of the Confederacy, who died the next day which uh, uh, apparently was a pretty big deal on the Confederate side, uh, a, a guy who was just getting a lot done as far as uh, you know him leading, leading men and, and successful battles and everything. So a pretty big loss for the Confederacy that day. And uh, Sergeant Lyon or Corporal Lyon at this time uh, was responsible alongside his companion, James Sweeney, for uh, bringing him, uh, bringing him in, if you, <laughs> if you could say, uh, he did die the next day. But anyway, uh, Lyon was sent to Washington D.C. with the captured Confederate battle flag. He was personally introduced to Secretary of War Edwin M. Stanton by General George Custer. Stanton personally presented the Medal of Honor to Lyon, who was also promoted to sergeant. 
So as I mentioned, guys, there's not a ton on here about uh, that I saw anyway briefly about uh, you know Sergeant Lyon uh, as far as he did survive the Civil War, uh, Middle of Honor winner in the middle or towards the end of the Civil War, and then lived for quite some time after that. So pretty amazing. It was the first time I've tried this. I said, you know what? I have a guest on. Let's look up their last name and see if there is, in fact, uh, anyone who's received the Medal of Honor. I have a little database that I look at. And sure enough, Frederick A. Lyon. So Chuck Lyon, our guest today, I'm not sure if you knew that. If you knew that in your family history, I'm assuming you probably did, but who knows? Uh, so for those guys out there, uh, anybody out there listening, you know, g- give it a look sometime. Check out and see if you have uh, any Medal of Honor winners there on the uh, on the, uh, the the American history. Unfortunately, there's no Hersema Medal of Honor winners. So, yeah, the name is too hard to spell and pronounce anyway. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, it's awesome to hear stories of uh, of uh, Medal of Honor winners, especially. That's kind of how this segment started just in the sense that we were going to try to talk about some people that uh, we, we view as heroes, people that gave of themselves, sacrificed. A lot of people who we talk about on Fridays are people who have died in the line of duty, have died in in battle. And then there's people such as uh, Mr. Lyon here who did not die in this act. It was a rather courageous uh, e- e- uh, example of his character, I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't easy uh, going, going alongside his uh, companion there. And, uh, and, and capturing the flag, if you will, and, and getting some officers, uh, capturing them and bringing them to the Union side of things, as well as, uh, you know, an ambulance with mules and a driver. If you really think about it during the Civil War, I mean, that was that was gold right there to have an ambulance or whatever, you know, they considered to be an ambulance at that time. Uh, that was very, very uh, valuable stuff, not just uh, not just the the um, excuse me the officers that they were able to capture but then also the ambulance with its supplies and the driver and the mules and then to top it all off you take the flag from the enemy which at that time was uh you know that that's how the armies kind of ran how they operated was you know based off of their flag it was a huge symbol to them so uh, i can't imagine what was going through uh, the head of mr lion that day or that night or whenever it happened but yeah sure thing cedar creek virginia uh, you know, Mr. Lyon, Medal of Honor winner. And, and Chuck, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, if you did, hey, I applaud uh, you. And I don't know, there's got to be, I don't know too many Lions, like L-Y-O-N. There, there's got to be a, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious now if there's a, a family uh, family bloodline there uh, that, that uh, maybe, I don't know, I'm from Vermont. I don't know what Chuck's family history. And, and anyway, I wish I would have talked to him about this before, but I threw this together on Thursday. And uh, yeah, I may do that in the future with uh, some unique names. I'm sure there's some Johnsons, there's some Williams, there's stuff like that where you could, okay, there's probably a Medal of Honor winner or two with those names. But to find one that said uh, Lion, L-Y-O-N, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Just uh off the top of my head looking that up so anyway uh to frederick a lion uh you are someone who is a hero for your actions a medal of honor winner uh 
you, you know, can't, can't say enough. I wish there was more uh, written here about you, uh, but you are someone I would love to sit down and have a beer with, and not just by the first round, but every single round. And guys, as you know, that's why we call it Suds with Studs, because it, these are people we want to continue to honor on every single Friday. And we know it's not possible in some cases, but if it were possible, it would be fun to have a beer. And just uh, it's something simple that we could do for these people that have done just some incredible things. And to uh, Frederick A. Lyon, cheers to you, sir. Uh, and you are one of the many people we want to continue to talk about on our Friday segment, segment Suds with Studs. Okay, today I am joined by Chuck Lyon. He is the athletic director at College of the Canyons. He's also the assigner of baseball officials in the Western States Conference, which is a community conference in the Los Angeles area. Uh, he's a former football coach at College of the Canyons. He's also an umpire, works in the Pac-12 primarily. He's a postseason umpire. He's worked the 2009 College World Series. And on top of all of that stuff, uh, he's the Dean of Kinesiology and Physical Education at College of the Canyons as well. So lots to talk about. Let's jump right into it. Chuck Lyon, good morning. Thank you for joining us. How's it going, Chuck? Hi, Matt. Nice to see you again. I think the last time I seen you, we were at Pepperdine. Oh, I think that is, uh, <laughs> that's correct. Who was playing? Was it Michigan State maybe? or Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a nice weekend. Uh, yep. Oh, you know what it was? I think it was like a midweek and I was, someone was, we'll say this, someone was a little late, not you, not me. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and and uh, I think I got a phone call from you as I was approaching the stadium. Hey, you have your gear, right? Because you and I have to work the plate. And I'm like, yeah, I got my gear. I, I think that guy's going to be on time, though. He better get here. So he got there in time, and, and away we went. Oh, Yes, he did. Oh, well, well, Chuck, plenty to talk about. Uh, this crazy year, 2020, is behind us. Uh, but it's definitely affected the athletic world, and and we'll get to all that. You have, as a sports official and athletic director, I'm sure I've had to juggle a ton of things. Uh, but before we get to all that, let's let's kind of go back to your the beginning, ch your childhood, where you grew up, uh, sports being a big part of your life. Uh, take us into your your front yard if you will as a kid did, uh, playing sports was it such a big thing for you and then kind of where you ended up going to school and playing ball well I grew up in the San Fernando Valley I grew up in Silmar um, and the house that I lived in was right across the street from Silmar Independent Baseball League so uh, in those days Matt you know you you go outside till the street lights come on and when the street lights come on dad wants you home <laughs> yeah. so so my childhood, I would just go across the street to the baseball fields and there was like, oh, I don't know, eight of them uh, with wide open spaces. And I would just play all day long after school, obviously, in, in the summers. And, uh, and so I, I really grew up on fields and I knew early on, uh, I'm the first of three children in my family. I knew early on that sports was it for me and I was a decent athlete. Um, so away I went. My dad actually uh, was the president of Somar Independent Baseball League for a few years. So he was very involved in my growing up. Uh, I played in the uh, Bronco World Series at 12 years old in Texas. Um, 
really didn't get into Pop Warner football. Um, played one year as an offensive guard, got hurt. I said, I'm not an offensive guard. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> um, but when I, when I uh, entered high school, obviously I was a, I was a three-sport athlete. I played uh, baseball, I played football, and I played basketball. In those days, you could do that because there weren't enough kids to go around, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, and I had a pretty successful career in, um, in, in high school, um, got recruited. Um, like I said, I ended up going to College of the Canyons because of the two gentlemen that I just uh, absolutely believed in, Mike Gillespie and Larry Reisbig was the head football coach. And Mike Gillespie was the head baseball coach. Um, at the same time, Dale Williams, and I think you might know Dale Williams. Yeah, Dale, the, uh... Dale Williams is a legend in, in college baseball. Well, it just so happened he was my homeroom teacher in junior high school. Wow. And yeah, yeah. How about that? And he was a physical education teacher at the junior high school I was at. And of course, he took a liking to me because I was a gym rat. And um, and so during that, he he assigned the Pacific Southwest Umpire Baseball Association, which was Little League. So while I'm doing all the things I'm doing, Dale calls me. I was might have been 14 or 15 years old, 16. And he says, hey, you want to come down and umpire some baseball for me? I said, Dale, I, sure, man. Whatever you need. I got time this summer. And, and you were uh, a, a you were a junior high kid at the time? No, no. I was a high school kid at the time, probably okay. just going into ninth grade or 10th grade. Um, I made a quarter a game. 25 cents? 25 cents, man. <laughs> 25 cents a game. Love it. I'll never forget it. And and I had no idea that that obviously, you know, that would be the start of my umpiring career. Yeah. Uh, that's really <laughs> how it started. And that's really how I got into umpiring. And of course, while I was doing that, I was playing and I scholarship to Washington State out of College of the Canyons. Um, so I did make it to the Pac-12. At that time, it was the Pac-8. Uh, I played both ba baseball and football. Didn't get a lot of playing time. Uh, started a couple games. Um, and then for me, Matt, it, there was no question my uh, professional path. Uh, I wanted to coach. I wanted to be in athletics. Um, and so I, <laughs> while I was going to school and while I was getting my master's degree, and I worked in veterinary medicine. Oh. Uh, at the same time, a, a veterinarian in, in town in Silmar there, uh, he had three daughters. He didn't have a son. And I got introduced to him. Uh, I was cleaning cages at a different veterinary hospital. And this guy took a liking to me. And, and I worked for him until I was 30 years old, until I got my first full-time education job. So that's how I made ends meet um, while I was going to school, coaching. So my day, would I would work at the veterinary hospital from 6 in the morning until 2, eight hours straight. I would go to College of the Canyons. I would coach football uh, as a volunteer in those days uh, from four to six. And then I would go to class at night from seven to 10, getting my master's degree. Um, so it was a pretty full day. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's how it all started, man. Wow. 
Uh, so many uh, topics just in that brief description. Uh, going back a little bit to uh, starting out umpiring. Uh, first of all, for those who don't know, Dale Williams had a longtime umpire, as, as Chuck mentioned, uh, many college World Series, also an NFL football official and worked a few Correct. Super Bowls. So kind of a big name in the officiating community. Uh, so, Chuck, you're working for a quarter a game. <laughs> <laughs> which is that, that's that's of all the people I've talked to who said, yeah, I started out making this much money. That's, that's definitely the lowest I've heard <laughs> <laughs> well, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So when you're making a quarter a game, could you have ever envisioned yourself uh, eventually working big time college baseball, the work college world series? Did you just think at the time as a kid, like, man, this is great Four four games. And I got a full dollar. That, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. There was no way. There was, you know, like, come on, man. The guy offered me a job. I needed money. My my family didn't have any money, mm-hmm. um, and and it was right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, you know, I just I just wanted to be on a field and be outside and be involved in sports and and of course, you know, I did that, and that led to he was also the head of the high school unit. You know, in in the San Fernando Valley unit. He, he was the guy that ran it. Uh, so that transitioned once I came back from college, that transitioned into, into, you know, doing JV freshman baseball yeah. by myself, one man game. <laughs> oh boy. We've all been there. Uh, and then you talked about Mike Gillespie, the, the legendary uh, baseball coach who uh, recently passed away. And he coached at USC. He coached at UC Irvine, uh, just a very intense guy. But if you could Chuck, take us back to when he was coaching you uh, in community college at uh, college of the canyons, because one thing you mentioned to me was not only was he a baseball coach, but he was also an assistant football coach. And I mean, I I've had the opportunity to umpire some of Mike's games. A lot of people who listen to this have umpired Mike's games, but, but, Take us back to when he was a coach, coaching a uh, the young Chuck Lyon in college. Well, you know, Matt, when we start talking about Mike Gillespie, I get goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I get a tear in my eye right now because that guy, that guy is a big part of who I am. And I, I got to tell you, I've been told on many, many occasions that guys that know both of us go, you know, your coaching style is patterned after my Gillespie <laughs> and I said you're right it is it is and um Mike was Mike was tough man Mike was tough uh Mike was the kind of guy obviously you're he's going to hold you accountable mm-hmm. obviously he expects you to learn and, and play within the system um I will never forget the day and this is a football story with Mike I can't tell you who we were playing or uh, whether we won or lost, but I remember Mike Gillespie coming into the locker room after the game. I'm taking a shower. He walks right into the shower, <laughs> fully clothed, and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, "Chuck, that's one of the that's one of the best, guttiest performances I've ever seen." And he just turned and walked away. And and to get that kind of a comment out of him uh, in that situation, I was like, "Wow, that's that's big." Now I can also tell you that he had his hand, his finger in my face. I was in a bust. Uh, we were doing things we shouldn't have done. <laughs> uh, 
And he said, son, you will meet me here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And you're going to run until you think the world's flat. That's a a great quote. (laughs) Oh, buddy. I wasn't the only one on that bus, but there was only about five or six of us. So so did you get to that point where, where, oh, man, this world is flat? (laughs) Oh, buddy, I I don't remember. I know I was in pretty good shape. And, and, you know, me, I was like, let's go, man. You want to run? Let's run. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, I was a little bit of that guy. Um, But I got to tell you, playing for that guy, and you got to know, and you've been there. I mean, I will, I have umpired at SC or Irvine and again, I'm behind the plate and the catchers. And it's amazing how many of the catchers would look, would talk to me, obviously during the game, you know that. And they would say, so you played for this guy. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, every one of them, Matt. And I'd go, Oh yeah. But I played for him 20 years ago. So it's Mike Gillespie on steroids back then, buddy. If you think he's tough now, you should have seen him in his heyday. And they're go, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and my comment would be, I'm not. Yeah. Because I loved playing for Mike Gillespie. I mean, I loved it. Now it's, it's a love-hate deal. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Some guys cannot play for that guy. Uh, and some guys love him. And I would have, he actually recruited my son. Um, to SC as a, as a pitcher out of heart. Um, and uh, I said, Tyler, if you, if you, if you want to play baseball and go to school, buddy, I, Mike Gillespie's the guy. So if, if you had to sum him up, Chuck, as a coach, uh, as a former player of his, and it was a long time ago, but some things, you know, never change. Uh, what would be the best, you said he's kind of, he wasn't that patchy on the back kind of guy that often. He was an intense guy, but if you had to sum up Mike Gillespie, uh, what would kind of be the best way to do that? As a, as a coach, mm-hmm. uh, you want my umpire view or you want my player? View? Uh, let me get, let me get the, view. let me get the player view. And I'm curious <laughs> in your umpire view too. Uh, well, my, my player view is Mike Gillespie. Uh, <laughs> You got to know, you know, he's an English major. He is very intelligent, very intelligent guy. He knows how to push buttons. He knows personalities. Um, He was fair. I'll start with fair. He was motivating. He was intensely competitive. Um, He, and he loved to win, obviously, um, and, and I did, and you know, that was his life's work. Um, he didn't fish, he didn't golf. He didn't do any of the things the rest of us do. Uh, he coached baseball. That's who that guy was, man. Um, we would go to his house. Uh, he would invite us over to his house when I was playing, I'm talking about, uh, every year we'd go to his house and have dinner with him and Susie. And, um, I had dinner with him every Christmas, Matt. Wow. Uh, since then. Yeah, somewhere around Christmas, we have a group that gets together. So I, that, that's what I would say about him as a as a coach, uh, detail oriented. Oh boy, was he detail oriented! Never missed a trick, and had tricks, as you know. <laughs> um, uh, and he was not afraid. And this is what I learned from him in my coaching world: he was not afraid to take risks on a field. I mean, stealing home plate in the World Series against Arizona State in a twenty-five to fifteen game. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, what are you doing, dude? Um, 
but that's who he was. Yeah. I mean, that's who he was. And, 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 and I loved, I loved his competitive nature and the way he went after things, man. I had heard, well, I, I mean, I know this to be true, but uh, when I heard this, I, I about, uh, you know, dropped uh, my, in, my ball strike indicator. I heard that he officiated high school basketball was a very good official, not just officiated. He, he could have, he could have gone as far as he wanted in that very wow. good official. I, yep. I, I can't wrap my head around Mike Gillespie, the coach being a, a basketball referee. That's oh, awesome. yeah. Well, like I said, man, our, our worlds are very, very similar, very parallel. Um, I, I could see it. Um, being an official and being a coach is, is a, you know, and, and I don't have to tell you what he was like with officials. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was ruthless <laughs> on officials. And guess what? So was I. <laughs> um, I mean, I, like you said, I patterned myself after him in a lot of ways uh, in, my, in my professional world. Well, well that, that brings up a really good discussion and something I kind of really wanted to get your, your take on was that, okay, coaching and officiating it it could be two different sports it doesn't matter those are two very different ends of the spectrum one is trying to win a game and work you know and uh, you know build up kids and everything the other one is trying to uh manage the game and and make decisions and officiate and deal with coaches so having been a coach having been a college umpire how do you how do i say this like does does one make you better at the other, Chuck? What can you tell me about like how be doing both of those at, at the different ends of the spectrum, how you kind of benefited and maybe saw the game from both sides at times? Well, yeah. So in the fall, I'm yelling at officials and in the spring, I'm getting yelled at, right? <laughs> um, and and you, you know, you, you, you throw a third dimension in there, Matt, and you throw the, the athletic director world in that uh-huh. uh, because you're dealing with coaches and you're dealing with a lot of things in, in that world. But, and so it's, they're, they're very different roles, but they're all, obviously they have that common thread and that common thread is student athletes and competition, right? So any way you want to cut it. In the fall, when I'm coaching football, uh, I, I was a Mike Gillespie clone. I was, uh, come on, you know Ron Mouses and Dwayne Finley and guys that guys that work, guys that work baseball with me are guys that are officiating my games in football. And um, I can't say I didn't yell at those guys. I didn't yell at them as much as the other guys. <clears throat> but I'll tell you, Matt, what what I've learned as a coach from being an official obviously there's a line, mm-hmm. right? And I knew that line very well. And I knew I would yell at guys expecting responses. And I know what I would have said had I, had you done that to me on a baseball field? I know how I would react. And so <laughs> when I would do, I would do things on purpose to test the waters and see really how much backbone official had. I mean, there was, there's guys, Matt, that I, after the fact, I would go, how do you, how do you let me get away with that stuff? I wouldn't, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I go, you know, you got to put a stop to that. 
you can you can do it without a flag. And by the way, I didn't get 15 yard penalties flags. Um, I got two. I only got one ever that I didn't expect. And and you know what? That guy, I don't even remember his name. I, um, I was like, oh, he gets it. Because he knew who I was. The scouting you, report was out. You appreciated the flag. You understood. Oh, this guy has a backbone. I earned this flag. And guess what? Well, I didn't really think I did. But he knew, <laughs> but he knew he had, somebody had coached him up on who I am. So the first time I yelled at him, he just threw a flag and said, we're done with this tonight. I go, you know what? You're right. We are. I'm not getting another flag. <laughs> right? Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. Exactly. And, done with and, and more community college officials need to learn that. Yeah. Uh, need to learn how to control a game without, you know, without going too far. And, and that's, a, as you and I both know, that's a fine line. And so what I learned as a coach or, or learned to coach from officiating is those lines and what can be said. And, and also, Matt, keeping it respectful. Um, there's a way to argue as a coach and still respect the guys that are trying to do their jobs as officials. And you and I both know that. Mm -hmm. And so um, the two worlds are very congruent, even though I was on different sides of those worlds, uh, depending on the weather. Um, You know, on on the flip side, being a baseball official, uh, I can tell you, I got to the World Series because of my game management skills. There's no question my people skills, how to handle coaches on a field, um, my reputation with coaches. In fact, I was told when I got the call to go to the College World Series, um, it was the first year that Gene McCarter was the head of the NCAA. Dave Yeast had just been out. Gene is in. Um, and he called me and said, the reason you're going is because the, because I want people <laughs> that are not going to I don't want a volatile world series in my first world series. I want calm demeanors. I want guys that can handle situations. I want this to run smoothly. You got it. And I said, absolutely. I got it. Uh, And I'm your guy for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt, I didn't have many ejections. Um, I I, now not to say that I wouldn't eject because I know the line. I, I know the line is a coach. I know the line is an umpire. Uh, at least I know what my line looks like. Uh, so I could diffuse most situations and then other situations. I ran Mike Gillespie more than I ran anybody else. How about that comment? Uh, that that says a lot. Uh, <laughs> why don't you? How about a, how about a story or two about an ejection of oh your of your uh, beloved coach from uh, back when you played? So you got to You got to know that you know I didn't hide the fact in the umpiring world that I played for Mike Gillespie and my respect for Mike Gillespie is off the chart, and they all knew it. And that didn't really go well with some people um, because Mike Gillespie, I'm going to use the word hated. That might be too strong a word, but a lot of cases it's not. Umpires hated that guy. Um, and, and, I, and I can see why. I mean, I'm not going to defend his, his way he was on the field. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. I mean, as a crew chief, I would go in and we're, we have SC. I would say, fellas, here's the deal. Mike Gillespie will cut you up if you let him. <laughs> so if he comes out on you, just shut up and listen, say as few words as possible and get out of the situation and eject him if you have to. So the one, the one that, well, I got more than one. 
Uh, one of the big ones was SC UCLA at SC. Kind of an important game. Huh? Kind of an important game. Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> my, my Trojans weren't doing well. They were in the third base dugout at, at the time. I was in the C position, so I was between second and third. It was a check swing on a left-hander, and I'm in the infield. Oh, boy. Yeah, like big deal. And I called it whatever I called it, and Mike didn't like it. And he started to walk out of the dugout. Well, you and I both know that if you cross the foul line on a ball strike, it's an automatic ejection, right? So he's coming, and I said, Mike, don't, don't come out here because I have to eject you if you come out. Didn't even slow him down. <laughs> so, so he crosses – he crosses the third baseline and as soon as before he, and I didn't move. I'm still in the C position near second base. So I dumped him before he ever got to me. Now he gets to me and we're going at it. Um, <laughs> and, and we are face to face. And Mike Gilmore, Mike Gilmore was on first base. Um, so when we get done doing dancing, doing our little dance, Mike Gilmore gets between us, as we know that's supposed to happen. I turned around and walked to left center field thinking that they would get him out of there i hear mike gilmore yell at me here he comes chuck and i was like okay now the hair on my neck is up and i'm pissed and i told you i'm a lot like him so now it's time it's time to go so i turned around and he's coming at me and i'm coming at him and we boom we hit we bump head we bump hats his hat falls off and he was, I'm telling you, I, I've seen him mad a few times. His hat falls off. He picks it up, turns it backwards and headbutts me. Oh, oh yeah. Just headbutts me. Now this is the guy I'm going to have dinner with in, in seven months. <laughs> just remember that. Um, he headbutts me. And so now I just take my finger and I put it right in his chest. And my comment was, Mike, let's just fight. Let's give these fans something to look at. Let's just do this right here. And, and here, so, I mean, it was crazy. So now Gilmore's back out there and, and I'm, I'm in his chest and, and he's headbutted me and we finally get him out of there. And we go into the locker room and this is, this is Ali, I don't mind telling this story. As soon as we get in the locker room, I get a call from the Pac-12 assigner. What happened? And I told him what happened. He says, we're going to spend, suspend Mike Gillespie right now for headbutting. And I said, for making contact is what they said, right? And this is, this is where my loyalty to Mike comes in. And I don't think it's an unfair statement. I said, well, the contact was mutual, the initial contact. I said, I went at him as hard as he went at me, and neither one of us slowed down. So if you're going to suspend him for contact, I get it. But I got to tell you, I had as much to do with the contact as he did. So now do what you want to do. And, of course, it infuriated the other two umpires in the locker room. They were like, Chuck, bullshit, man. That can't happen. You, you got it. <laughs> I said, well, guys, uh, I'm just telling you what happened. So, you know, that's, that's one of the, that's one of my better ejections. I, uh, another one was 
at Arizona State. Arizona State has bases loaded with two outs. A 2-2 pitch is inside. I call it a ball, and SC wanted to call the strike. And oh boy, did I know it. <laughs> and and so now the count is three and two. Well, the next pitch is off the wall for a triple. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> they sure do. And here they come. Rob Klein was first. Pitching coach was second. Third base coach was third. I ejected all three of them. And Mike's standing in the dugout. And I'm yelling at Mike. Come on, Mike. Come on. Get out here. I want you. <clears throat> and I had just emptied the dugout of coaches. <laughs> Except him. Uh, so uh, I can't tell you how many times we went around and around. By the way, none of those stories ever got brought up at Christmas dinners, you know, with the 15 guys, because guys, we'd be at dinner. And these were all COC guys from the past, right? Mm-hmm. That's we get together every year. We call it steak and low and brown. Um, and, and they would egg us on Mike and I to tell stories. And we're like, Nope, we're not going to go there. We're not going to tell those, those stories in this arena. So. Oh, there's a line. There's a, a, what happens on the field type of thing between. People. Well, you know, a lot yep. of guys don't get that, Matt. Yeah. A lot of guys, a lot of guys take stuff as a coach and as a, and as an official, I can tell you a lot of guys take stuff too personal, mm-hmm. you know, it, and, and it's not personal. It's just not. And um, a lot of guys tell me, Whoa, man, you, you, you really, you go too far sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm sure I do. I'm sure I do as, as a coach um, on players or on assistant coaches or on officials. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do. And my coaching staffs, uh, which I pride myself on this more than anything with my coaching staffs, my coaching staff didn't have turnover. Guys wanted to be there and I was tough on them. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I held them accountable. I was tough on them. But we always went and had a beer afterwards, man. I mean, I made sure that their families, uh, we, you know, I knew the families, they were over to my house, that we can argue like cats and dogs in the office. But when we leave the office, we're still friends and we go have a beer. And that's a, that's a special quality that I think, I think more guys need, especially in this day and age. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that, that's uh, 100%. Very well said. And, and I mean, think about it, Chuck, when we're on a baseball field or a football field, whatever, uh, uh, we are, okay, we are who we are, but we are slightly different people. I mean, we're wearing a uniform, for goodness sake. I mean, we wear, a, we put the uniform on, uh, you, you put your coach's uniform on or umpire, your referee uh, uh, uniform on. It's a different world than, say, Christmas dinner or, you know, uh, your, your out, off-campus stuff. I mean, some people, like you said, can't separate that and be like, hey, we're not in a uniform. You always carry yourself a certain way, but you know, being involved in sports and the relationship with coaches and umpires and everything, you can't take things personal. You said Gillespie was ruthless. That was your word. Uh, and but but off the field, I mean, it's just a different story. It's a different world. And yeah, we have to be able to separate those things, I think, as you mentioned. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. In, in, in my world, I, I think the world in general is getting going the wrong way in that. Yeah. Everybody is so sensitive about every word and every, you know, I mean, everything's on video and, and they take it the wrong way or maybe the right way. I don't know. But that's not the point. The point is, is that 
you know, we, we, we need to desensitize, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, the world a little bit. And, and <clears throat> but you're right in, in terms of, of officiating. That, that uniform was sacred to me. It still is. Um, I, I, I absolutely love being an official. Um, and and I, like I said, I look at it, I was way better at, at, I would eject players way more than I would eject coaches because it's a learning environment for student athletes. Mm -hmm. And student athletes have to learn, have to learn. <laughs> you know, if a guy draws a line on a strike three, you are getting ejected, son. Um, and, and that's just the way it is because you disrespected me, the game. <laughs> Uh, I'm a big deal. I'm a big guy in respect. Uh, and I also, and guys that work for me in the Western States Conference know this, there is zero room for arrogance. And, oh, yeah. and I know you on a field and I know you're like me on a field. There's no such thing. Some guys officiate, at least have the personality and officiate for the wrong reasons because they want to be in charge. If that's why you're out there, get out of the game <laughs> because, because that's not, that's not your job. Um, your job is to walk off the field. And nobody knew who you were, <laughs> um, you know, and, and so I obviously with my 70 umpires, uh, a, a lot of the uh, continuing education that I do with them has to do with handling situations and, and how to, how to be fair. <clears throat> Coaches would tell you today, you talk to any coach in the PAC 12 and I know what they're going to say about Chuck Lyon. Hey, he's a good umpire. Uh, judgment's pretty good, but but the guy's fair. That's the biggest thing. I, I want him on my field because the guy is fair and he's approachable. That's what they're going to tell you. And, and I know it because when I walk onto a baseball field, I see it in their face. Oh, he's here. Today's going to be an all right day. You know, no, even if it goes south, he's going to handle the situation professionally and and calmly um and and you and i both know matt <laughs> you know i see my assignments and i go okay i'm gonna be in i'm gonna be breaking it up today uh you know and i know who those guys are and, and you know who those guys are and and it's something we have to do but but i'm telling you that that i got where i got from little league to the college world series by being approachable, by being fair, and by being respected, by communicating. Oh, it's uh, that's definitely some traits that you absolutely need in officiating. Um, and, and I will, I will say, Chuck, you know, you you have all this experience. So when you go on a field, you the familiar faces or whatever, but what do you make of guys who are just coming in, like just getting to D one, just getting to the PAC 12, uh, their first couple of times on a field, it you've worked hard to get there. And now you got coaches who are, who don't know you. And, and you could say the same thing at, at, as an assigner in the Western States conference, you're putting out umpires on a field who probably haven't worked college baseball before they've worked high school. Uh, but you yep. and I both know it's different. It's very different. So what do you, what are your thoughts on that on, on officials making that, first appearance to get to that level you just talked about? Uh, I'll tell you a story about that. My first year in the Pac-12. Uh, in those days, the only way to get into the Pac-12 was you had to be recommended by one of the coaches. 
Well, obviously, Mike Gillespie was the guy that recommended me um, to get into the Pac-12. And I probably went in, I went into the Pac-12 sooner than I probably should have. I'll never forget this. I'm working, it's Cal against SC. And the pitching coach breaks his clipboard against the concrete wall at SC because of my balls and strikes. Hey, Matt, this is my first series, maybe second series. This is my first, you know, first time at SC, my, my first time in the Pac-12, and I was horrible. I was lost it. Uh, I'm not kidding. And and the guy breaks the clipboard, and I thought, I didn't see it. I didn't see him do it, but I heard it. And when I looked over, you know, I mean, come on, I knew exactly what was going on. I didn't eject him because I was too scared, I think. Um <laughs> I just went, holy shit, I got to get better right now. I mean, you really, you only got two choices, you know, and you, you and I both know that when you're back there, you ain't going anywhere for nine innings, buddy, or however long it takes. <laughs> so you, you got two choices. You can, you can leave uh, or you can get better. Um, so that was a kind of an, me going into the Pac-12 and I, I decided to really, really put my head down, not say a word, work as hard as I could to understand the game at that level, um, study the heck out of the rule book so that at least I could get that part right if I wasn't getting the rest of it right. And Matt, I just, I just really, I just put my head down. I didn't say much um, and I just worked. And I worked and worked and worked. Uh, and I was lucky enough to get through that first season without too much fanfare. Uh, and then, and so, you know, when I meet, and, and I watch umpires, when I meet a coach for the first time, that plate meeting uh, tells a lot about you, the umpire. Mm-hmm. Some it, you're, I don't, it's the way you stand. It's what you say. It's it's are you you know not not only are you respectful, but are you um, you know what's a good word to put there, Matt? You know, just do you do you have the ability to communicate uh, in a relaxed but uh, relaxed environment? Can you portray that you're relaxed but you're in charge? But fair but and fair and and i i always could do that and i could i did that early on um and so i i think that's the biggest thing i, I you know i just put my head down and worked man mm-hmm. i didn't i i was not trying to be you know i didn't tell anybody i was the best or that i'm good or I just i'm here and i'm going to do this and i'm going to do it to the best of my ability and then i'm going to do it again tomorrow yeah. and i did that for years man i did that for years and of course, you you and I both know that when you've been on the field, here, here's a good example. Obviously, in the Division One world, I'm working schools all the time with coaches that don't know me. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. I remember Oklahoma State came into Oregon State a couple of years ago, and, and both of them are ranked. It's the last, they had a non-conference series, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, both of them are regional teams, as you know, 
are both really good and they're fighting for spots in the regional and and i'm the crew chief on this deal and it was intense. i mean it's a non-conference series but it was intense um i had the plate friday night one to nothing was the score of that game but you know i'm i'm talking to the coach in the first meeting on friday night and and it was very evident to him i think it was very evident to him that it was going to be fair uh it was going to be well officiated it was going to be it was going to go all right well it, it went pretty good we a guy missed a call on first base cost him a run in, in the third game and we don't have uh in the pac-12 at the time we don't have instant replay well they do in that conference the big 10 or the big 12 they you know those guys are way ahead of us um and he wanted instant replay and i said and he comes to me not that you know he had already been with the uh Call the guy that called the play. He now he wants to go talk to the crew chief, and he's like, "So what are we going to do?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Uh, we don't have we don't have instant replay here, so we're going to live with this call, and you're going to go back to the dugout." And he goes, "No, I'm not. I'm getting ejected." And I said, "Well, no, 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 you're not." I said, "I said you're going back to the dugout, and and we're going to continue this game because that's the way it is out here." And his third base coach on the comes around and grabs his coach. And, and I said, you know, I'm not going to eject you and, and you're not going over there to him anymore. So I'll stand here all day. If you want to, is what I told him. You're not getting ejected. And until you leave, we can't play. So what do you want to do? So his third base coach came over, got him, took him back to the dugout. Game's over. Series is over. We had to go through their dugout to get to the locker room, by the way. And he stops me and he's like, Chuck, thank you for handling that like that. Me getting ejected on my last game before regionals is probably not a good idea. <laughs> and I said, no problem, coach. I, I, because I, the guy did miss the call. I mean, I, yeah. I knew it. Uh, so anyway, those, those are the kinds of things that, that uh, I think some guys, Matt, are inherently good at it and some guys aren't some guys it comes that's just part of their personality and some guys aren't well, um, and big, i think those guys move up a big part of that is that it comes over time you don't walk on a field and the, and the first nope. second week you're like oh i know how to do this it takes repetition sometimes uh trial by fire sometimes uh you know oh that didn't that wasn't a good idea you you kind of learn as you go what works what doesn't and how people operate uh, so it's some good stuff there. Chuck, what can you tell me about your, your postseason experience in baseball? I'm sure you've had plenty of trips to some interesting places in, in SEC or ACC country, uh, the College World Series as well in 2009. Uh, what are some memorable experiences or stories from your postseason travels? I worked, uh, I worked 15 regionals, seven super regionals in the World Series. So I did postseason for 15 years. Uh, the closest I ever got to California was Texas A&M. Okay. Uh, everything else, because, you know, they send you back East. Um, so it was, it was, it was all over. Uh, there's so many schools and so many experiences and so many things that, um, that I could tell you we'd be here all, all day. Um, but the the my two favorite places no there no question Alabama 
Alabama and LSU um, were exceptional environments. They all were. Uh, Texas, or not, uh, no, uh, Georgia Tech, I went there twice. I went to Texas A&M twice. I mean, I was at Florida. I was at Miami. I was at, you know, uh, Vanderbilt was an awesome experience. Um, I, I'll, I'll say, you know, the thing that I liked most about it was um, meeting other umpires from other parts of the country, watching them work. Um, that was that was the fun part. Um, regionals and super regionals and college world series are way easier to work than conference because everybody's <laughs> under a microscope. Mm -hmm. Coaches are under a microscope. They they don't want to embarrass their institution. We don't want to embarrass them. They really don't care if they embarrass us. I don't think. But um, so. I, and I had to learn that. Um, and I had some great crew chiefs. I, I learned a lot. Um, you know, I could tell you a lot of stories about off the field stuff, the regionals, but I don't know if we need to go into that. Um, <laughs> the longest game I ever umpired, I was at a regional at Purdue, it was the first game of the series. Now, you know, you play two games a day. Mm -hmm. First game of the series was I think it was like a three o'clock start. I was at second base. So I had first base in the second game. That game went 21 innings. Oh, <laughs> 21 innings. So we got off the field. We took a break and we went back out there and worked another nine innings that night, getting off the field around two in the morning was how that day ended. Um, Adam Dowdy was there. That was uh, the most impressive thing about that 21 inning game is not one umpire left to go to the bathroom. That is impressive. That, that is. I've had to do that many times. <laughs> sure. that, that was my takeaway. That was my takeaway. When we walked into the locker room, I said, let me tell you what impresses me most about what we just did. And I said that and they started howling. Uh, they started howling. That is awesome. Um, I think it's important. This is another thing that is important. Uh, and, and I know you know this because we've been in a locker room together. I think how the crew chief or how the senior umpires or how the regional umpires, how, how they handle themselves in a locker room is important. It's not just a little bit important. It's way important. Mm -hmm. um, when I go into a locker room and, and immediately, and you and I have been, you know, who, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> immediately they start bad mouthing the coaches in the game yeah. or they start telling you how they're going to handle, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, that, that just sends a serious red flag up for me. I like guys that go in, want to talk mechanics, want to tell a few stories like we're doing now. Uh, genuinely interested in, in working a good game and, and getting out of there. Um, and so I'll, I'll, that, those are the memories. One of my favorite memories of Alabama is, uh, of course, you know, me as a football coach, I spent three hours in Bear Bryant Museum. <laughs> Man, I, I would love to see that. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, it was awesome. It was awesome. Where was it, Chuck, where you're about to take the field? And I think it was before the national anthem or something. And, and some fans talked to you about uh, basically, hey, be ready because we're, we're coming after you. <laughs> uh, that was Alabama. Oh, it was. And, oh, yeah. And they're, you know, those Southern people, are, 
you know, girls go to baseball games in dresses, Sunday, Sunday dress. It's, it's an event, the regionals. I mean, they are dressed to the nines when they go to games and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. There are motor homes for miles and they stay for the weekend. The place is packed. Mississippi state. I went to twice. The place is packed. Um, they, they have makeshift platforms out behind the outfield and they're barbecuing with kegs. And I mean, all the things that I've seen is crazy, but that Alabama, so we're going to do the national anthem. I'm the plate umpire and we're standing right up against the backstop and there's fans right behind me. And, and this, this guy is sitting right there and in his Southern draw, he says, son, I said exactly what he said, son, I ain't going to say anything about your mama. And I can say anything about your daddy, but you're fair game. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I answered him like, I said, sir, called him, sir. I said, sir, let me tell you something. I'm pretty good at this. The only time that I have a little trouble is when my eye starts twitching. That's all I said. So during the game, of course, son, that eye is twitching again. Uh, uh, th th those are the kinds of stories that are just I was at Vanderbilt and I was a third base umpire between innings between innings I'm out in the outfield and they're playing music so I see and I got my little dance going I you know I'm moving a little bit to the music just liking the song and there's a three or four women up there that see me dancing so now they want to dance with me <laughs> so it's you know that kind of those kind of things um and and most people now you know are very respectful and thankful for you being there and doing it but the 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 places that i've been and the experiences that i've had uh are are i'll cherish forever come on you know that's a lot of that's a lot of places that's a lot of good baseball. It's a lot of good baseball. Well, well, probably the best place uh, in the world for college baseball was Rosenblatt Stadium. And you had the opportunity to work there in 2009. I know they play it somewhere else now. Uh, I had the opportunity to go as a fan and watch uh, a College World Series in Rosenblatt. One of the highlights for me is a, just a sports fan. But tell me about Rosenblatt, your College World Series experience. Just was it everything you thought it would be? Uh, or was it so much more? I mean, that's got to be a special place for you, even though uh, it's been torn down now. Yeah, I had been to Rosenblatt. Um, when I, when my son was growing up, we would take, I, I coached a um, tr little travel ball team. And we went to Omaha to play a series. And of course, the AAA Kansas City Royals team was in Rosenblatt. Um, so we went to a game, um, and, and that, you know, that was, no, let's see, that was probably 10 years before I got there. And I, and I said to myself, I'm coming back here someday and I'm going to be on that field. <laughs> <clears throat> that was the goal. That was, that's, that's where I was, I was headed. I, I would hope. Um, so uh, we, we, we were, I was there, you know, you're there for two weeks, uh, and I'm living in the, you know, you're living in the hotel and, 
my wife came out for a couple days. My dad came out for a couple days. My, my family, my kids came out for a couple days. Uh, my nephew, um, my, my dad actually came out a couple times. Um, so did my wife. So th those are the kind of things, you know, what I remember most about that and what I thought was, man, you've made it is when, you know, the cops would arrive at the hotel and you would get a police escort into the, into the stadium, into your locker room. <laughs> and, and you, you've been to Rosenblatt, you know, the traffic is crazy. Um, so we would have, we would have police motorcycles in front of us and behind us and we didn't stop. Um, and we would all go together every, every, every day. A little different every than a uh, little different than a Tuesday afternoon at Pepperdine, huh? Yeah. You think, um, <laughs> uh, that was that to me was uh, having my family there, and and having uh, you know and and have just the whole experience of the College World Series. And I got to tell you, the two guys from the West Coast that I was with are guys that I have known forever that I call close friends of mine, Joe Burleson and Jeff Hendricks, um, were were there, and they were the crew chiefs. Uh, at least Joe was. I don't know if Jeff was a crew chief guy. Um, and, and you know, there was six umpires, I think, where Rosen were, were there that year. And I'm sure I was ranked number six. Um, <laughs> and, and I was fine with that. Because <laughs> I just, you know, I, come on, how many guys get the umpire to call his reserves? Yeah. Um, but I did it. And, and um, it was... The umpiring part of it was, yeah, it was, um, it was an experience, but I got to tell you that I was so focused on trying to do a good job and not get in trouble and, and those kind of things that, that, I mean, you really, for me, and, you know, I had to bear down and really, really try to be as good as I could, which, and, and you got to know that my, my plate job ended in a walk-off walk. Ooh. Was the pitch close? Oh, not, none of them were. Okay. <laughs> in fact, they had walked. It was Southern Miss against Texas. Southern Miss, in the bottom of the ninth, walked three of the five guys that came to the plate. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Now imagine that, man. I'm like, no way is this happening. And this guy could not throw a strike to save his life. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> so that is not how you want to do that. Um, but you don't get to choose, man. Yeah. Oh, what an experience. Uh, you don't get to choose. So it was, it was quite an experience. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the pictures on my wall right now. And um, it's, it's, it's a moment. It's a moment. Yeah, uh, you, I look back on it now and cherish cherish my family getting to see that. Uh, really, more than anything else. Oh well, that's uh, outstanding stuff, uh, Chuck. You know, I'm a big football guy. I love. I miss officiating it a little bit, and it's football season now. Uh, one of my memories. I think I was I was working at Canyons uh, one evening, and this wasn't too long ago, and the, it was like the first. I never, I never had you as a coach, but you were the athletic director there. And it was one of the first plays of the first series. It was like third and uh, third and nine. Anyway, it's a pass to, towards my side, right in front of me. And you hadn't seen the officials that day uh, yet. 
And as the play is being broken up, I hear you behind me and you, and you said, Oh boy, that's good defense. Like to like influence. It was a, it was like an influence the, the, the call type of uh, verbiage that I heard from you. And, and I've been around long enough to know kind of what was happening. And I thought it was too. I didn't have a flag on the play. And then you realized after you said it, after the play ended, oh, that's Matt. And you said, hey, when'd you get here? I said, hey, I've been here for uh, you know a few hours. How's it going, Chuck? <laughs> but it was funny for me to hear the coach in you it, briefly. Now, had there been a flag, maybe it would have been different. But it was so funny to hear your tone of voice change when you were on a sideline. I mean, the, the, the ball had barely hit the ground yet. And you were like, oh, that's good defense. <laughs> I just remember it, Chuck. It was yesterday. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> uh, you have no idea, man. Me and Dwayne used to uh, used to go around and around. He was so fun because he's in the middle. Oh, he's an umpire. Yeah. Oh my God, was it funny? It was so fun. I mean, those days were were so fun. Um, and and I was, I can't say I was a whole lot different with guys I knew, but um, I had a little little more respect for the guys I knew in baseball yeah. and the guys I didn't know at all. And, uh, but you know, part of your job as a head coach is to work the officials. Who are you kidding? That's, <laughs> that's, that's part of the deal, man. <laughs> let me, let me ask you this because you, you know, and uh, you know, I, I've had a scouting report on you, Chuck. I've asked people uh, of, of football officials, you know, how you, you used to be, and you're very open about how you used to be on the sideline. Uh, when you look at today's college football officials, and we talked about this earlier about, you know, getting a flag or earning a flag type of thing, I almost feel like there's this in football at the Division One level anyway, and maybe the JC, whatever. There's like people are like hesitant to flag a coach, and what I'm seeing more and more now in Division One on TV is these guys are out of control. They're all over the field. They're throwing clipboards and papers and, and no one does anything about it. I think the officials are at fault for that, but they're probably being told, at least that was my experience years ago was, Hey, you know, flags on coaches is bad, but what would you make of the behavior, the sideline behavior of coaches these days that uh, we're seeing on TV? Well, I would have a couple comments on that. My first one is, you know, I would get calls from commissioners or from the head of, football and they'd say hey chuck you got it you got to tone it down dude <laughs> um and i'd say why yeah. <laughs> um and they say because you know you're 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 just saying things you shouldn't say and maybe doing things you shouldn't do and i said i didn't get a flag yeah i'd say i'd say so so whose fault is this mm -hmm. i said and i, I would tell them I would tell Rich Cohen, Rich, you got weak officials. I am not the problem. Your officials are the problem. If they don't like my demeanor, warn me and throw a flag. It's yes. real simple. Yes. And I would I, I would tell everybody on the call, I go, fellas, I got news for you. If I'm officiating Chuck Lyons, that ain't happening. Yeah. That's not gonna happen if because it's it's and and I wasn't. I wasn't disrespectful, Matt. I mean, I was hard on. Him. I'm not going to say that I that I didn't try to get every advantage. I'm Mike Gillespie. I mean, you so you, that'll tell you. Uh, I wasn't disrespectful, but I knew the rules, uh, and I knew what I thought I saw. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
and and I reacted accordingly. And so, you know, when when you say coaches are out of control, that's not a coach's problem. That's an officiating problem. I and, I, and I, I absolutely agree. believe that. So, if coaches or officials are being told by commissioners or by assigners not to control the game or not to control a coach, then I put that on the league. I don't put that on the coach because like I said, when that guy dropped the personal, the 15 yard penalty on me, the first time I opened my mouth, guess what? It was crickets. The rest of the game, I'm not going to lose a game. I'm not going to jeopardize my team. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's easy to handle. I have went to home plate. Mike, this is your warning. No, before I say hello. Before the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is your warning. This is your warning on balls and strikes. We got it? And he and he would sit there and seethe at me. I mean, I could tell he's going, you, you, you know, he would have called me a million things. But he couldn't because this is your warning. Yeah. And so the rest of the game, I was fine, right? Or the first time he opened his mouth, this is your warning. Well, if, if officials would do that more often, and, and Matt, you and I both know, scouting reports on, we get scouting reports, just like you just said, on coaches, as well as they get scouting report on us as officials. Yes. And, and I think you better, a good official will judge his temperament based on scouting reports. There are guys there are guys that if they say something to me, I screwed up. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. Right? Mm-hmm. You just go, oh, man, I, if he's coming out here, something's wrong. Yeah, this guy doesn't say much usually. Oh, exactly. man. Exactly. Okay. And then there's the guy that just yells all the freaking time, which I wasn't that guy, by the way. Um, but there's guys that yell all the time that you, as soon as you open your mouth, I, I just warn you. That's just the way it's going to go. Cause I'm not going to listen to you, uh, you know, and those coaches, you don't, obviously you don't have a lot of respect for in the arena. Um, and so if, and you know, in my conference in Western States conference, I know who those coaches are. I know who those teams are. And I'll tell you what I get calls. You know, we have one particular team and coach that is no longer coaching that, you know, I would, I would try to put my stronger umpires on the game. Right. That would make sense. <laughs> and then I would try to put guys on. I don't know if they're good or bad or what they are. And I'd put them out there and see if they could sink or swim. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would get calls like, you ain't going to believe what this guy did. And what'd you do? Nothing. And well, whose fault is that? Yeah. What do you mean? Nothing. Or I, what, and you asked the question earlier, you know, how do you evaluate the talent in your group? Well, I have my guy. I have my division. I'll put Matt Hurstman out there with a, with a first-year guy and say, Matt, I want a scattering report when it's over. The guys I trust, their judgment, you would be one of them. So, so you know, I, I have my guys, and I also have my coaches. Um, Billy Pickett's coach at College of the Kansas. He's the coach at Pierce. Billy and I go – I umpired him when he was at Cal State LA. I've known Billy Pickett's forever. I trust his judgment. Uh, you know, he's not a loud guy. He's, he's Chuck, you know, this guy was pretty good, but, you know, and so when coaches call me with complaints or comments about officials, some of them I blow them off. Like you're an idiot. 
Right. Because you cry wolf all the time. Yeah. You can't yeah, cry wolf. And, but, but some guys I, I listen to. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, it bothers me when, when officials, this is a pet peeve of mine, and most officials do not agree with what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, because we've been down this road. Should coaches in the conference evaluate officials? As you know, uh, in the Pac-12 now, that has gone away. You know, the, the, the Division Ones have moved away from coaches' evaluations, which is how I got into the Pac-12, which happened forever when I was in the Pac-12 until they started doing have an observer program. Um, I absolutely think coaches should evaluate officials. I think it's a tool I absolutely want to use. Well, do I trust the coaches? Not necessarily always, but I want to hear the comments. I think the uh, feedback and, is beneficial. Well, yeah, and then you have to filter it. That's a way, good way to say it, yeah. Yeah, then you have to filter that because, you know, if they're pissed off because they lost and make comments, that's one thing. But if they're just matter of fact, you know, I didn't like the way this guy handled this or this guy... God, he got out of the car, man. He looked like he just woke up. He's, you know, his uniform was a mess. He was late. Well, you know, that doesn't take too long for me to figure that out. Um, so I, I think I absolutely want feedback from officials. I mean, from, uh, from coaches. Um, and then I take it with a grain of salt. And then if there's, if it's, here's another one. And you know this, Matt, if it's, if it's repetitious, if I keep getting the same kind of comments from different coaches down the, then I know I got a real problem. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, those kind of things that we do. Yeah. And, and Chuck, you know, we agree with on a lot of things. There's other things we disagree, you know, and that's fine. Sure. I mean, there's nothing, that's, fine. that's, that's part of life, part of sports, but like, um, so you talked about officiating kind of critiquing officials. And, and I agree with you in the sense that as far as football officials, if you let, if you just let people, you know, do whatever they want, that, that is on, on you. That is on the officials. Someone needs to step up and, and act, flag a coach, eject them when they need to. You don't want to do those things, but sometimes you have to. Uh, now, as an athletic director, you deal with coaches who are angry, who come to you. Hey, I was ejected. Hey, I was flagged. Hey, I, I was given this technical foul. How do you manage uh, your coaches af as an athletic director, is it different? Yes, it has to be. Um, but I, you know, I have 17 teams. So I have 17 head coaches and then I have another, oh my God, 50 assistant coaches. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I got a group of men and women that are in charge of a team uh, and my number one, they hear it all the time. Don't ever embarrass this institution. Number one. Okay. That's number one. Uh, I have my good coaches that live by that. And then I have my coaches that are, I have some, I'm not going to lie. I got coaches that are horrible. The coaches that are horrible. The assigner knows it. The officials know it. The conference commissioner knows it. I know it. It's not like it's not unknown who, who these people are. Uh, and I have individual one-on-one -on -one conversations with 
coaches and their demeanor and what they do all the time. So, like a, a coach Coda, if my baseball coach gets ejected, there's a problem because <laughs> he don't get ejected. So we got a problem. I mean, there's there is it's not about safing out and balls and strikes because that's not what he's going to get ejected over. He's going to get ejected over a, an umpire's demeanor and how he was approached and how he was talked to. That's going to get him ejected. <clears throat> so, and everybody's different and every situation is different and you have to evaluate. First of all, you have to lay the ground rules of what's expected from you as the athletic director from your school. Uh, and, and, then, and then you have to evaluate each situation on its own, on its own merit, get as much information as you can, and then you, you try to coach them. The thing about our level, Matt, is we can't fire these coaches. They're tenured faculty members. They're teachers first okay. and coaches second. So even though I may want to get rid of some guys or girls, I can't because it's only part of their assignment. And so uh, that's a fine line of trying to motivate and get coaches to understand behavior that in the moment, I get it. Um, it's, and it's a lot of observation. It, it's a lot of personalities. It's, it's just, uh, and that's you know one of the reasons I think I'm pretty good at it is because I've had so much experience in so many arenas So we've, we've talked about. I've been the official, I've been the head coach, I've been the assistant coach, I've been the athletic director, I've been in every, I've walked the shoes of every one of the entities that you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's a skill set that not a lot of people can say. You know, I, I'll tell you a story, and it's an umpire, but it's a good example of what we're talking about. At College of the Canyons, baseball game. An official and a, a visiting head coach have been going at it. Uh, it was a base coach. It was a base umpire. Uh, they argued on a play. They argued on another play. And they're eyeballing each other. I'm sitting in the stands watching this. And I'm like, <laughs> you got to... You know, I'm just watching and observing. Well, <clears throat> they had just finished an argument. And the head coach, they're, they're arguing when they were in the B position. So they were between first and second in the infield, right? The coach leaves the argument, goes back to the dugout, and then turns around a pitch or two later and wants to take his pitcher out. <laughs> right so he's walking to the mound and this umpire's in the b position after they had just got into it for the second time what would you do uh, i might wander a little as far as uh you know not engage we'll say okay <laughs> i'd well, be I would walk careful to, i would walk to right center field yeah i yeah i wouldn't i would leave the infield and let him do his thing right this umpire walks towards the mound. Ooh, that I would not do. And stand there and stares at the coach coming out. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I can tell you that he, not one word was said or had to be said, but I can tell you that I lit that umpire up after that game. 
it was real simple. If you ever, if you want to stay in this conference, you'll never do that again. Yeah. This is at my field. So obviously at my field, whatever I had been teaching my umpires didn't get through to this guy. Yeah. That's a serious red flag for me. So it's the same thing in, in, as a coach and an AD, you know, I watch the behavior, not only if I don't really care how they coach, I don't go watch practices. I mean, you know, that's a pretty sacred environment. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the public and you're representing the college, there is a certain level of decorum, as you and I both know, that has to be followed. And so that's where, that's where I hang my hat. And, and there, come on, every one of my coaches knows that I'm an official, <laughs> you know, and that I'm the athletic director and, and that I was a pretty, pretty successful coach. Um, so I don't have a lot of problems. I got to tell you that um, we get ejections and some of them are very warranted too. And I'll say, yep, I, I don't went to no doubt. <laughs> I get it. Here's what I won't. Now, you know, this is what I don't stand for. And I can have something to say about assistant coaches in my program have, will not talk to officials. I like that. Period. <laughs> yeah. Period. Because if you do, I will get rid of you. <laughs> Interesting. Um, no, no doubt. Uh, that that's where the line is drawn for me. Um, and the, and everybody knows it. Uh, the head coach can do what he needs to do. A head coach needs to go or get a flag or get a red card or whatever they have to do. Uh, you know, I can live with that. Yeah. Uh, but I am not going to live with an assistant coach uh, getting ejected. Not going to live with that. No. I mean, it, you know, and I've had it happen in baseball, of course, more than any other. And <laughs> Basil and I have had the conversation or whoever it is. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we talk about it and we can, you know, because of baseball and me, you know, we'll laugh about it, but I'll yep, say, yep. Hey, we're not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think if you had to sum it all up, it's no matter what the situation is, football, baseball, coaching, officiating, you, you got to have standards. You got to know the line. And if it's, if it's crossed, it should be dealt with. I mean, uh, there's consequences, that's consequences just, just for actions. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the way it is. And, and I, I'll tell you, I'm really, at the state level, as you know, in community college baseball, um, if a head coach gets ejected, any coach gets ejected, they have to sit out. Yes. You know, they, they have to sit out for a game or two, which I hate that rule. Um, and I've told everybody that I can tell at the state, I think by doing that, you're doing a disservice to umpires and their education. Yeah. Because if an umpire is not very good, and a coach can't say anything, and I've witnessed this personally. Umpires will go into the locker room at College of Canyons. I just watched the game. And they'll go, yeah, that's pretty good today. And I about yeah. fell over. Pat themselves on the back, yeah. Uh, hey, I have pretty good zone today. And, and I'm like, you were horrible. I didn't tell them that. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I, if my comment would be, wow, really? So how? What, what makes you think that? Tell me what you did. Well, coaches didn't yell at me. Because they couldn't. Thank you. <laughs> they were handcuffed. So let's go back to the coach breaking the clipboard at Cal at, at SC. Yeah. I knew I had to get better. Uh-huh. Right? That was a wake-up call. 
Um, and so I think umpires need wake up calls. And so if a community college coach gets ejected, he should be able to come back the same next game. Head uh -huh. coach, I said, not head coach. assistant. Head coach, yes. Head coach gets ejected. He should be able to come back the next day uh, with no strikes. None of that crap. Um, and, and let the AD handle it. Uh -huh. You know, but that's not the rule. And, and by the way, obviously, that rule hasn't been changed. And I've been saying it since they put it in. So, <laughs> and, and if he's got to go again, he's got to go again. I mean, it's just, what, yeah. Whatever. We, yeah, whatever happens, happens. You, you let the game let the game work itself if, out. If my head coach gets ejected three or four times in a season, I got an issue. Uh huh. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Um, if he gets ejected once or twice and explains it to me and says, "Hey, you know, this guy called me this or did this or walked away or yeah or you know," then then I have to say, "Well, okay." You know, go get back on the horse. Let's yeah. go. It's part of the game. I mean, I just, I, I it don't. It is part of the game. I like people like, oh, there was ejections. or It's like umpires. You have a couple a year. Hey, no big deal. But if you have a lot, that's that says something too. So uh, anyway. I have a couple every five years. Yeah. <laughs> you go. I don't have a couple a year. <laughs> yeah. What I, I think, let's see, college baseball. I think I did it for, I don't know, 10 something years. I have less than five, probably. Something yeah. like that. I mean, it happens and it, you, you have to just, Again, be firm but fair, uh, and it, it's I don't know. It shouldn't so happen. I go a into lot. a locker room. I go into a locker room, you know, and and the first thing I got that guy last week, and I'm <laughs> like, wow, man, how, how many ejections you have this year? Oh man, I only got about seven this year. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to be with you. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. go out there. In pro ball, it's different because you're working so many games, and there's just a different atmosphere, different environment you know, seven and 140 game season, that's not a big deal. But in college, yeah, it is, that is kind of a. Yeah, but they've legislated, they're legislating ejections out of the game. Oh yeah, I know. With, and, and with instant replay. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Um, you know, the instant replay um, is just, and man, I, I'll, okay. I think maybe it's a good thing as an old school guy. I kind of like seeing the interaction between umpires and coaches. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, that's gone. You know, those days are over. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Chuck Lyon, we could talk another hour and a half, I'm sure. Uh, but I know you got places to go and uh, things to man, people to manage, sports to manage. Uh, you're a busy man <laughs> at College of the Canyons. Uh, uh, real quick, you looking forward to the upcoming baseball season as far as you personally and as far as community college sports in California? Uh, where, where do you think they stand in 2021? If you could touch on those two subjects real quick. Well, uh, at, uh, you know, all you have to do is watch the NCAA and see what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, the division one um, division one is playing for one reason. They're playing for money. Um, there's no question about that below division one, division two, division three, the one double A's nobody's playing. Um, we're not playing um, because it's not, there's no revenue involved. And obviously this COVID situation is out of control. Um, so it, Matt, I cannot believe sitting here that, that, you know, been in this business for 34 years as a coach or a administrator, nobody would have ever, you couldn't write this script. Yeah. Um, Coaches are frustrated. Kids are lost. Um, we don't have a lot of answers. Uh, 
uh, we're we're using an opt-in opt-out system for community colleges right now for fall sports that we've already made our declaration college of the canyons will not play fall sports this year or basketball winter sports um, we opted out um, we just we can't we can't control it we can't we don't have enough we don't have the wherewithal with for testing and yeah. cleaning and all the things that go along with with trying to keep people safe um, so we've opted out most schools have uh, there's a few that want to play a few sports in terms of spring sports um, that decision needs to be made by february 26th i believe they're talking about starting in april finishing in mid-june playing reduced schedules playing a 70 percent schedule with no postseason so the the triple c double a and the conferences are trying to do everything they can to normalize the student athlete experience as much as possible and it's impossible <laughs> it's an impossible task so um I, I i don't know i mean it changes so fast um i had a i had a uh, zoom call a zoom meeting uh, a town hall meeting with every athlete at college of the canyons right before winter right before break in december announcing that we're not going to play fall sports we're not going to play basketball and that spring sports are pending we haven't made a decision um but beyond that, you know, coaches want to just bring their kids back to campus and, and want to see them and want to, like I said, normalize things as much as possible. And because Los Angeles County, and it's really a county by county and school by school decision. We're in Los Angeles County. Los Angeles County is in deep purple. <laughs> We're probably the worst county in the country for COVID. Uh, students are not allowed on campus um, by county order uh, except essential infrastructure classes which think nurses and emts because uh, we need them on in the field but um so we can't by order of the county we can't even bring kids back uh i don't see that changed anytime soon yeah we're going in the wrong direction um i got very upset coaches that you know hey matt i got coaches that think this is a flu and, you know, like Texas or Florida or some states, they don't shut down at all. Yeah, they're playing. They just power right through it. Yeah. Um, well, that's uh, California didn't take that route. And Los Angeles County probably shouldn't take that route. I'm not going to tell you what I right or wrong, yes or no. I'm just telling you that we get ordered what to do from L.A. County. And L.A. County says we can't be on campus. Therefore, coaches can't meet with players or classes. All of our classes are distance education uh, right now. You know, so um, I don't know what's going to happen. If if you look into the crystal ball, and we start baseball in April, I think some schools will opt in and want to play baseball. Yeah, especially schools like in in my uh, conference, schools like Hancock and Cuesta and Bakersfield and maybe the Ventura County schools to the north that aren't having the COVID issues quite as bad as Los Angeles County is, right? Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to have some schools that want to play baseball. Okay. 
Um, and I, in fact, I sent a communication out to our umpires yesterday on the, you know, saying, here's what I know, <laughs> what I just told you. And, and here's what I kind of think could happen. And of course I pattern it after the, you know, somewhat pattern it after the division one levels. And I've been on conference calls with the PAC 12, you know, ongoing, uh, they think they're going to play. Umpires will be tested. Umpires will wear masks. I can, if we play, I'm sure it's going to be the same thing. They're going to have to be tested. They're going to have to wear masks. They're going to, there's going to be protocol. Student athletes have to be tested. Um, but as you, you can imagine, there's a myriad of questions and problems involved in this. What happens when you get a positive? It's not if. It, it's, uh, there, there's just so many uh, elements to this. So many elements <laughs> to this. And so, you know, I told our umpires, I mean, this is the example I give. Cal had a football game. Colorado had a football game. The team Colorado was playing had COVID issues, couldn't play, and the team Cal was playing had COVID issues, couldn't play. So, hey, guess what? It's Friday. Why don't we just play Sunday morning at 9 o'clock? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> As a football coach, that's crazy. No, no film, Nothing. no preparation, no practices, but TV money. Mm-hmm. So Cal and Colorado play on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock just to satisfy TV revenue. So take that to our level. I can see, I can see it already. What's going to happen in April, May? Teams are going to get COVID tested. Teams are going to have positive. Teams are going to be out. Teams are going to be in. Well, this team's out. This team's out. So why don't we just get together tomorrow and play? Yeah. Well, that's easy to say, but I need umpires. You got a sketch. There's a lot of scheduling. The field. You got umpires. You got. Um, I mean, there, yeah. There's so many variables, and you can relate to this. And it's not an infinite supply of officials that, by the way, have lives. You know, they just can't drop their life because, you know, Cuesta wants to play Canyons because, you know, their teams that they're supposed to play can't play. Um, so I just told our guy, I said, look, yeah, I think we're going to have some kind of a baseball season, but I can tell you it's not going to be, it's going to be unbelievable. And I'm going to need extreme flexibility from you guys. And I'm sure, I really believe this, that there's going to be times when I call coaches and say, hey, fellas, you ain't playing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I can't get guys. Oh. Or, and I think be more realistic, I can get one guy. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to play <laughs> with a one-man game? <laughs> Which, by the way, another one of my, I did, Cal. Uh, no, Washington was playing at Northridge years ago. Two men in those days. Wow. My base umpire got hurt in the first inning and left. Torres Achilles. <laughs> so I'm on a Division One game with Washington and Northridge, and I was like, and I'm the plate guy. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, we're done, fellas. And they're going, no, no, we're gonna play this game. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> I said, okay. I said, we'll play. Here, here's the ground rules. One this word. Go- <laughs> yeah, no, I just said, I said, here's the deal. We're going to play this game. I will officiate everything. Neither one of you will say a word. Not one word. Not one word. <laughs> you, you okay with that? Yep. Chuck, we're okay with that. I said, play. Let's play. Let's go. Let's oh, go. Boy. So I was back to my, my freshman 
high school days of running out from behind home plate to call that steal at second base. It all comes full circle, Chuck. We know this. It all comes full circle. That's beautiful. That's uh, a true story. That's fantastic. Well, one final thing. Uh, uh, as far as this podcast, you know, our good buddy Bill Barnes comes on here weekly. And uh, we all know Bill's a, a lunatic. Uh, what are your thoughts on on, <laughs> on uh, the one and only Bill Barnes, who uh, you've umpired a few games with here and there? Well, see, that's that's uh, you say he's a lunatic, and and I, I love Bill Barnes. So, and I'm gonna tell you why I love Bill Barnes. There's 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 no ego there on a baseball field. There's no uh, you know he he walks into a locker room and he's one of the guys. He worked his ass off on a baseball field. He knew the lines. Uh, Bill and I are, are are very. We have very similar ideas when it comes to officiating. So we hit it off. Uh, we both like to have fun. We both like to go out after the game and and talk about the game over a beverage. Um, so so Bill and I, for and you know you you and I both know that um, when you go into the locker room or you meet these guys, there are some guys that are friends forever. There's just, there's just those guys that you Uh just connect with. I mean, I got a bunch of them Um, and Bill Barnes for me is one of those guys. And it's because, you know, there was no pretense there. There was no, I'm, I'm a division one baseball umpire. Therefore I am God. (laughs) You know, there, there was none of that. Uh, He just wanted to go work the game, have some fun, have a drink and go home. Yep. Um, And I like those guys. What a concept. Yeah. So Bill and I, Bill and I would, um, Bill and I just hit it off. And so over the years, yes, we umpired many series together and, and have many experiences on and off the field together. And so he's just one of those guys that I have, that I will keep in contact with. I love his stories, love his outlook. Um, You know, I got, I got a lot. That's the one good thing about, I got those guys across the country, Mm -hmm. you know, Guy, you go to a regional and for whatever reason, guy, you just hit it off. And, and so you stay in contact. Um, and and that, that's really one of the best things about officiating and coaching. I talked to one of my assistant coaches who's a head coach in Michigan right now at a high school. I talked to him on New Year's Eve. And uh, those are the things that you cherish uh, in this business that I've been in for, for so long. Um, it's just the personal relationships. And, and that guy is, that guy's hilarious. He's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. The relationships are, are what matter most. Uh, Chuck, it's been a pleasure, man. We, we, we haven't talked in a while and man, time kind of flew by here with all the uh, football, baseball topics and everything. I, I had a good time. So did I, Matt, you're, you're, you're one of those guys I'd be on a field with anytime. Oh, appreciate it, Chuck. Well, I know you're a busy man. You got a lot to get to. Thanks for coming on this podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll get this episode out uh, soon. Thank you. Been fun. Thank you, Chuck Lyon, for taking the time out of your day to record with me. That was a lot of fun. Guys, I hope you enjoyed hearing about the interactions between coaches and umpires or coaches and referees, whatever the sport may be, whatever the case may be. I think there's uh, there's some lessons to be learned there for sure where we can always 
uh, learn a bit, learn a bit, uh, some little, little bit about something from the other side, if you will, depending on the the hat we got on. So, uh, Chuck, we never had the opportunity to uh, do battle, if you will, on the football field and go at it, but we did have some uh, times where we umpired baseball together and uh, some good memories there. My best to you. My best to College of the Canyons. I know there's some. Uh, real difficulties and obstacles along the way for all colleges, for all student athletes in, in moving forward here in 2021. But uh, I know you guys will keep fighting the good fight and try to get the kids on the uh, on the playing field here soon. Uh, yeah, Chuck, I hope to see you soon and uh, maybe have a cold one. That would be a lot of fun. Happy New Year. Enjoy the football over the weekend. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Well, guys, that will wrap up our week of shows again, our Monday, Wednesday, Friday format that we've been doing now for a few months. Uh, I hope you enjoy the weekend. We will continue to put out content uh, next week for you. As always, we have a Monday sports recap show, probably with my brother Sam, although I'm not sure if he's available yet. We will break down all four of the NFL playoff games. Should be a lot of fun, a lot of discussion there. Uh, We'll either be uh, sad about our Rams getting destroyed by the Packers, or we will be celebrating uh, the big upset of the weekend. I'm not holding my breath. I think uh, Green Bay will probably, eh, I don't want to say anything. Anyway, uh, we're going to break down all four of those games on Monday. Be sure to join us on Wednesday. We're joined by who else other than Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. The retired police officer and college baseball umpire joins us every single Wednesday. And I know Chuck Lyon, uh, has worked some baseball games with Bill, and, and you know you guys heard him talk about the one and only Bill Barnes a little bit there at the end of a podcast. But anyway, Bill Barnes on Wednesday, and then we'll have another guest on Friday. At least that's the plan for now as I try to piece everything together while uh, continuing to work full-time and watch football full-time. It, it's, it, there's a lot going on, guys. There's, it's, just, it's, it's hard to balance all this sometimes. I'm not, I don't want your sympathy. I don't want to be that guy. I just have to let, let it out sometimes. Anyway, Chuck Line, so much fun. Uh, guys, be sure to join us next week. As always, well, I should say for now, there are way, the ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast are on social media. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. So shoot us an email, give us some content suggestions, uh, vent about your favorite sports team, uh, give us some topic options, ask us some questions. I know Bill Barnes loves questions and he's here every Wednesday. So get those into him uh, over the weekend at some point so that I can uh, set that up. But anything you want to talk about, let me know. Uh, Mondays are pretty much dedicated to sports. So uh, there'll be some other topics in there too. But yeah, send us an email, guys. We would love to hear from you, just like you heard from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Well, it is Friday. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Get out there and enjoy yourselves. Be responsible. Be safe. And uh, yeah, no more work days, uh, except for us guys who have to work on the weekends. And I know there's plenty of people who listen to this show who have to do that. But anyway, the work week is over for most of us. Uh, Man, that's about it for me. Let's wrap it up right there. Guys, have a good one. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Mm